1: Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, one of the most difficult and confounding of human problems is that of our own destructive inner voices. These are thoughts, emotions, and urges that keep us stuck in repetitive patterns of self-destruction and dysfunction. Dr. Robert Firestone, author, clinical psychologist, and artist, has developed a special approach to working with those inner voices. He uses what he calls voice therapy, which gives voice to the energy that pushes us. From this, we learn where our patterns developed and can begin to live a life from a deeper, more authentic core. His book, Overcoming the Destructive Inner Voice, True Stories of Therapy and Transformation, gives clear examples of how this approach works to heal and transform. If you are struggling with thoughts, feelings, or behaviors that keep you in a downward spiral, this show is for you. It's a good way to start the new year to begin to heal from the inside out. So Dr. Robert Firestone is a clinical psychologist, an author and artist and has established a comprehensive body of written work that is focused on the concept that defenses formed by individuals early in life tend to impede the individuation process, often impair their ability to sustain intimate adult relationships and can have a damaging effect on their children. The primary emphasis of Dr. Firestone's theory development has entered centered on the study of resistance in psychotherapy and combines a challenging blend of psychoanalytic and existential ideas. His complete body of work is a valuable contribution to the field of psychology and taken as a whole is a fully realized paradigm of what it means to be fully human. He's written 14 books, the most recent of which is Overcoming the Destructive Inner Voice, our topic of, of today's show. You can learn more about Dr. Firestone and his work at www.psychalive.org or www.glendon.org. And that psychalive is P-S-Y-C-H-A-L-I-V-E.org or glendon.org, which is G-L-E-N-D-O-N.org. So, Dr. Firestone, welcome to the Authentic Living Show.
2: Hello, and thanks.
1: Well, thank you for being here. I really appreciate that. Um, and so we're just going to sort of jump into the topic, and then we'll take a few breaks every now and then, and then we'll come back to it. So um, you're, the foreword of your book, Overcoming the Destructive Inner Voice, was written by um, Daniel Siegel. And one of the things he says, which I really loved, is our minds emerge from both our neural circuit. circuit- circuitry within our bodies and from the relationships that forge who we are from our earliest days. Can you explain a little bit about what that means about how our minds emerge from those two different sources?
2: What he's saying essentially is the importance of the earliest period in a child's life. Unfortunately people are less attuned to the importance of that at that that stage in in the infant. And, and what happens is the brain is formed largely in a powerful way at that time, and uh, the infant goes through uh, trauma that you can't imagine, because you don't see or conceive of the of the baby in the terms of, of its full vulnerability. But much of what happens in that very earliest part of life affects the whole rest of the person's life. And even though it's nonverbal, and and therefore difficult to access.
1: Yeah, I I really agree with that so fully. I just think that there, I mean, you know, you've seen the studies out there, anywhere from 50 to 90% of our communication is nonverbal. So how much more is that true for an infant who doesn't communicate verbally?
2: Right, and the, and the, the infant reacts with total emotionality. So things that are would be seemingly minor can be catastrophic in in the in the infant's reaction.
1: Yeah, yeah. If, if they so so they they it's Very kind of like us.
2: To me in, in working with schizophrenics and in working in a variety of uh, with a variety of difficult cases, psychosomatics, and so on.
1: Yeah. So these, so, these, uh, so the idea is that, he's, that Siegel and both you and Siegel are trying to present in this book is the uh, idea that these early days have a powerful influence on how we're living our adult lives.
2: Exactly. Later on, the, the trauma that they feel makes the child feel uh, frightened and overcome, and they're no worse for it, but, but they tend to gradually, as they grow up, to develop words to give to the feeling of being unloved, for example. Mm-hmm. So they'll come up with different uh, words to account for that as they develop later on. They'll start to give words to it that that have a meaning and that are detrimental and destructive to the child's future.
1: Right. So can you give an example of how those early relationships become hostile inner voices?
2: Well, a, ch- a child who feels rejected will tend to think that I'm unlovable, I'm worthless, I'm bad, there must be something wrong with me, I'm weird, I'm different, I'm not okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and those, those inner voices then sometimes can become behaviors as well
2: as emotions, is, is that correct? Well, they pre they, the the inner voice is predisposed behavior Right. And, and, and interfere with the person's adjustment. Yeah, because they tend to act on these voices, even though they may right. be only partly partially conscious. Right.
1: Yeah, and so there have been a lot a lot <clears throat> of. Uh, there's been a lot said over the past like 10 to 20 years about using affirmations to overcome our own negative, what, what people call their negative thinking. Um, that's been a big uh, deal in in the uh, largely uh, uh, spiritual but not religious community, where people are saying all you need to do is just affirm who you are and you know affirm positive thoughts, and not only will positive things begin to happen to you, but you'll be healed. So why? Isn't that true? Why aren't these affirmations enough in and of themselves to do the work of overcoming the destructive inner voices?
2: They don't begin to contend with these destructive voices and internalized feelings. The child internalizes the parental attitudes and feelings that are antithetical to its development.
1: Yeah, that internalization process is an interesting process. I think... You know, looking at what that means is going to be really important. Can you explain what you mean by internalizing?
2: The the child takes on the point of view of the environment or of the parental environment. It takes that point of view to be his own point of view about himself. So the, the child becomes at once the parent and the child
1: yes so it runs really deep it's not something that you can just uh, uh, battle with on a mental level it runs really deep it runs down to uh, how we identify
2: is how we identify ourselves and others right right
1: right right so so we're uh, there's other words for this internalization process that uh, people who've listened to my show have also heard Um um, the word introjection: the parents project, and the child introjects.
2: Exactly, uh, that's just another word.
1: Yep, that's for, right. For
2: that process.
1: Yeah, but it it, what it, it does within, is
2: takes it within themselves.
1: Yes, yes, that's right. So they see themselves differently now as a result of these internalizations.
2: They form a fantasy bond with the parent early in life. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that fantasy bond later, so let's go ahead and talk about that. What does that mean? What is a fantasy bond with parents, and why do we formulate such a bond? It's an
2: imagined connection that offers comfort and even partial gratification. So the child imagines being close to the parent, at one with the parent, in a a sense, in in its identity. But in the process... They assimilate the parents' attitudes that we talked about that were negative. And at the, at the same time, they tend to deny or idealize the parent. They deny the abuses. They see the parent in a better light and tend to deny the painful experiences that they, that, that, that they go through. Right, and they're doing That's that. It's all as, part that, of that fantasy process, and that process becomes a self-parenting process. They treat themselves the way they were treated.
1: Yes, and that so so that fantasy bond is kind of a way of surviving being a child in that family.
2: It's a way of uh, feeling getting comfort where there is no comfort. For the child to recognize whatever abuses are apparent would be traumatic. To deny the reality of those traumas is comforting. But anything that challenges the fantasy bond or disrupts it will lead to a great deal of anxiety. So it has a powerful effect on the child's well-being.
1: Yeah, okay. So they feel better as a result of this fantasy bond, and if they can't hold on to the fantasy bond, then they get really anxious.
2: That's right. They get in fact, they have increased death anxiety eventually.
1: Okay. Can you explain that why the increased death anxiety comes because up at that point?
2: The, the early life is, is so, they're so much they're so vulnerable and so dependent, there's a prolonged dependency on parents for gratification, that your whole life is at stake. The child's whole life is at stake. So therefore, the tendency then, as the child develops, they learn that they're going to die, and they're traumatized again, once again, and they, they, they utilize the fantasy bond again to protect it and ward off that anxiety.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the fantasy bond continues to grow over time as it's needed more and more to keep out that anxiety.
2: It it serves to protect against death anxiety as well as the traumatic experiences that the child experiences. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so what that does for a child is it, it keeps a child sort of stuck in a, in a place of, of trying to pretend that something is real that isn't real and unable to deal with what is real.
2: Would that yeah. be a, a correct extent, assessment? See, the child relies on the fantasy bond to the extent that he's been traumatized. He is traumatized. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the greater, the greater the trauma, the more reliance on the fantasy bomb.
1: Right. I see. That makes sense.
2: It's very proportional. So that some people don't rely on it as heavily as others. Mm-hmm. In, a, in, a, in a more constructive environment, it's less essential.
1: Okay, all right. So uh, let's talk a bit about some other concepts that you talk about in the book. You uh, you use the words uh, divided self. What does that mean, to have a divided self?
2: There's a split in the child, as I mentioned earlier, between the internalized parent and the the remembrance of the child self. Okay, an internalized parent is the one... In schizophrenia, there's a fragmentation between the two that's essentially a split and the child is at once the parent the powerful figure and the helpless child
1: okay okay and that
2: accounts for some of the thought disturbance in schizophrenia
1: right okay but in a person who's just normally anxious who's just neurotic but not psychotic um, how would that divided self show itself
2: it's divided between the self and the part of the self that's anti self. Ah, oh, okay. There's the self and the anti self. Those uh, attitudes and feelings that are directed against the self, that, that are and that are actions that are directed against the self. So the child, the adult, the normal adult, is divided. Partly he's his own enemy.
1: Yeah, so that anti-self would explain why it is that we can't seem to uh, go after the things that are, are, are fulfill our own sort of goals. We make a goal, but we don't fulfill it.
2: We're critical of ourselves. We're turned against ourselves. We're self-punitive. We're self-destructive, ultimately. So the ultimate voices are self-destructive, all the way from minor criticisms and attacks the real self destruction in in suicide the voice is predominant.
1: That self destructive voice. So briefly, then we, we're going to take a break in just a couple of minutes. But briefly, tell us what you mean by the term integration, because that would be putting the divided self back together again, wouldn't it?
2: Being integrated, a person would be live more in the adult mode, so to speak. Okay. That is. They could, uh, they could. uh, They're aware of the destructive elements to some extent, but they're not overcome by them or overwhelmed by them. The person feels to be himself, feels feels good, and so on and so forth. Feels whole Uh, to the extent that they're dominated by these very aggressive voices attacking them, very uh, negative thoughts they feel very bad they don't they don't feel good right right they feel good when they're they feel more themselves and when they're more themselves they're not judging themselves they're living and experiencing themselves in the present and feeling their lives and that is another important part of that is that they're feeling they're close to their feelings and not cut off from their feelings or avoiding their feelings, or defending against their feelings. So when they're integrated, they're in harmony with their own emotions.
1: Okay. Okay, so so what we're looking for is to move from the divided self to an integrated self, a more whole self, uh, uh, a version of self that is more adult-like and is able to feel feelings and, and, and yet respond to them in an adult fashion.
2: Yeah, people, uh, the divided self is a term that uh, R.D. Lang developed, and his division is very different. His, his division of self is between the self and the inauthentic self. Mm-hmm. And those Lange, are terms
1: that I use on this show quite a bit as well.
2: Yeah, that's, that, that's basically Lang's conception of the divided mm-hmm. self right right
1: and that's another way of saying the same thing you're saying
2: no because okay. I'm, I'm saying the division in the self is between the self and the anti-self strong and, and the enemy within so to speak I see I see okay much more it's much different even though uh, we, uh, I thought he and I thought a lot alike about many things this is a big difference between our theories
1: yeah okay Okay, well, we're going to take a break right now, and we're going to be back in just a few more minutes. So you want to stay tuned for more from Dr. Robert Firestone. This is a very interesting concept. We're going to get more into how this heals after this break. So stay tuned for more.
0: your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
3: We all have unique experiences and outlooks when it comes to leadership and team building. Yet sometimes we clash, even when trying to achieve the exact same goals. Check out Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks. How to get it just right. Your host is Dr. Cass Henry. A shared journey equals success and every human interaction has the power to achieve this success by working together. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
4: If you are looking for your own personal journey of peace and balance while living and thriving in our sophisticated world, tune into A Voice of Reason with Kathy Horton and Sherry Petro-Serdel. The show is one part spirituality and one part psychology We have so many opportunities for growth in the challenging times we face today. On this program, we discover the resources and scientific breakthroughs to master the challenges and find success. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment.
3: How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions, some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
1: Okay, we are back now with uh, Dr. Robert Firestone and his. We we're talking about his book, Overcoming the Destructive Inner Voice. The subtitle of that book is True Stories of Therapy and Transformation. And what he's actually done with this book, which I think is very amazing, is that he has actually gone over some of the cases that he works with. Each one of the chapters is a different case, and um, and actual the story of how that person recovered from the destructive inner voices within them and uh, so it, it's uh, it's a good read and it's easy read and I really encourage uh, the listening audience to to pick up this book and read it because it's very good um, one of the things that is discovered in this book is that no matter how dark and seemingly um, harmful these voices are within us they're not they're not like audible voices that is are hallucinogenic but they are, Thoughts that can be turned into voices, and that's what we want to talk about. Dr. Firestone, can you tell us what voice
2: therapy is? It's a technique, a psychotherapy technique. Right. And what the technique involves, uh, the person learns to to say their negative thoughts in a dialogue form. But they say it, instead of saying, "I'm stingy, I'm mean, I'm this, I'm stupid." Or I, you know, I just can't do things right. I, I just never succeed." You know, words like that, they put it into a different format. They put it into a second-person format, and they, as though someone were talking to them, saying, "You're so stupid, you're so ignorant. You're, you're this, you're that. You're so foolish. You never get anything right. Right. And what, and, and how and does
1: that help? How does that help a person? The,
2: the thing that, um, the, 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 when, when I first tried that, putting it in the second person, as though someone were talking to them, it became very real to them. And the amount of emotion was unusual. It was very dramatic and sometimes reached primal levels. So now, now we, we encourage the person to say their negative thoughts and that you're this, you're that, you're, you're, you never get anything right, you're never going to amount to anything, she's never going to like you, things like that, whatever they think, to put that in, in negative terms, but in the second person. And as they're doing that, they start to feel Angry or sad, and mean, very mean. Often, in the attacks, they grow in intensity to shocking proportions. And I encourage them to say their thoughts with feeling, and to express their feelings. So that's the first part of the technique. So,
1: what makes it work? What? What? What about that works? Well,
2: wait—that is the end of the story. Okay after after they say the words and that uh, these negative attacks in that form, then they tr- they understand where they begin to understand where the thoughts came from. They identify where the negative thoughts came from and, and, that's and, the really third, in, and in the third part the, of the dialogue they counteract the thoughts they 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 challenge the, the negative thoughts.
1: So what would a challenge look like? Can you explain what a challenge to a negative thought might look like? They
2: would they would they would say what they would say what they really believe themselves to be. Not the mean not the mean and not and, and not the mean antagonistic attitude or destructive attitude. They say they would say that, you know, who they really are. They would say I'm not such and such they'd challenge it, disagree. And, and then they do that in a very rational way and in an emotional way, both. And, the, and both right. of those are very different. So what happens with all this? The person learns and develops more and more insight into their self-attacks. They see how they operate in their life. They come to understand much about what, where they came from with, without the therapist interpreting, they form their own conclusions very easily, and sometimes it sounds like actual things that were told to them. Mm-hmm. And so they identify those things, and they and then they attack them, and they take their own point of view, they strengthen their own point of view, and then after all of that they make corrective suggestions that would challenge the voices. A shy person might decide, well, I'm really going to go on that day. I'm going to take a chance. I'm mm-hmm. going to go against that voice that says, no girls ever like me. No, no women will love me. And so on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so what the process goes, and tell me if I've got this right, the process goes from recognizing and and being able to put those energies in our, our, our negative hostilities, in that anti-self, into some kind of words yeah. that help us understand where they came from. And then we begin to counter those with not only uh, my, our own original thoughts about who we are, our own original beliefs about who we are, but also uh, put we can put that into behavior change. That and is even, made-
2: even when the attacks are accurate... The, the the affect or the intensity of the negative emotions are not appropriate
1: so can you explain what you mean by that
2: the, the person thinks hateful thoughts about themselves but it serves no purpose to we teach them that it serves no purpose to attack yourself it's more important to look for understanding where those traits come from so you don't deny any negative traits that are real but you look at them objectively and as a therapist would. Try to understand where they how to help yourself. I see. You don't go on attacking yourself in right. that in that phase. Right, so in, the, right. in the second okay. phase you look at these things rationally and try to help yourself and treat yourself kindly. You learn to treat yourself kindly and analyze and understand what where the negative, any negative traits come from.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So even when the negative traits are can, can be part of a voice, if they if the voices are malicious.
1: Right. So we're not trying to tell ourselves that we don't have any faults. We are trying to look at oh, them. not at
2: all. Not at all. Not at all.
1: Yeah. At all. Yeah. We yeah. identify
2: so we just, our negative traits, but we don't punish ourselves. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Okay. Okay, that, then in the corrective suggestions, people challenge the voice by taking, taking actions that go against whatever fears they have or mean attitudes they develop or whatever. Yeah. Or they change behaviors that are addictive or, or destructive, routines that are hurtful. Could be anything. Yeah. So how does are, that help? Those are very st- powerful.
1: Oh, yeah. It's, it, it is very powerful. I
2: agree. No, 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 they, they cooperate with, with the therapist in coming up with these actions, constructive actions, counteractions. Right. right. So there's several phases to voice therapy, and uh, it's not the only therapy that I practice. It's a technique mm-hmm. that's very helpful and does move people along. But it's not the only thing that I'm interested in. I'm interested in in analytic stuff, uh, psychoanalytic approaches, too, and primal approaches.
1: Okay. And can you describe what those are for the listening audience? I I wouldn't treat
2: the same person with any specific technique, whatever suits the situation. But a voice therapy is a very prominent technique. Yes. In addition to that, I use a, a modified form of psychoanalytic therapy with a strong emphasis on free association, and I help people get understand and develop insight, which I put a great value on. hmm so, so, can that, you explain
1: that, what what do you what, uh, can you explain what free association is?
2: Free association: the the, the client learns. To say every thought they have, no matter what it is, anything, to have no restraints. Don't even put it in any logical order. Uh, anything. Just say anything that pops in your head. And often very interesting material comes up and there's unique insights in that context.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's basically trying to make the unconscious more conscious.
2: That's what that does. Now. Yeah. now In terms of primal techniques, which were originally uh, started by Janoff, I I utilize that technique very often, my own version of that technique. And that technique involves a complete breathing deeply, very deeply, and making sounds. And eventually very powerful feelings come out. And again, the, the person has unique insights on their own as the powerful material comes out emotionally. So I put a lot of emphasis on people getting to their feelings, and people dealing with strong emotions. And I encourage feeling expression deeply. Yeah. And the so most powerful s- way of doing that is with the deep breathing and the making sounds and that, those, those techniques that help people to get to strong emotions yes and I Are can you? see
1: how that helps heal uh, that infant self that was operating only out of
2: emotion excuse me
1: I said I think I can see how that would help heal that infant self that was operating only out of emotion
2: yeah well basically that, that technique is just part of a technique So I use three methods in my therapy. And part is to get at deep feeling, and that primal therapy is very good. The primal techniques are very good for that. And psychoanalytic techniques are very good for developing insight and working through transference feelings. And uh, voice therapy has a powerful effect, very powerful effect. Yes. Yes.
1: So, um, you talk a little bit also in the book about how regression and resistance fit into the healing process. Can you say something about regression and resistance and how that evolves through the healing process?
2: Well, you have to realize that certain, if the patient or the in in psychotherapy, in a sense, doesn't want to get better that is they're they're threatened in many ways to give up that fantasy bond and connection to their families and movement positive movement leads to anxiety to some extent Mm -hmm. so the patient has all forms of resistance all kinds of resistance to Recognizing all kinds of things that come up in therapy, they don't want to recognize the, the the true nature of what happened to them. To some extent, they want to protect their families. Usually, unconsciously, they're demeaning of themselves and reluctant to change their negative attitudes on themselves. At the same time, they say they want to get better. They they may resist the therapy. They may resist the techniques. That are asked, that uh, the things they're asked to do, for example, to just say their feelings, or to, in a free, willing style, or, or they may resist in many, many different ways, because it makes them anxious to change their basic identity. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain equilibrium to any level psychologically, however pathologically. It may be change leads to some sort of anxiety, and people are frightened to go through those stages. And that the technique of therapy is to help them to, to recognize their resistance and to work it through. It's a key part of any therapy. So, how
1: might you middle, help some? How might you help somebody recognize their resistance?
2: You just point you point out, look just look what you just did. You just turned away from that whole subject we were talking about. You got scared. Yeah. You know, something like that, or you you keep harping on this other theme and, and avoiding this or that, whatever it is.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, so what happens is there's a whole process of, of sort of push forward, step back, two steps forward, one step back, but the whole process is one where the therapist is engaged authentically with the client in a way that helps the client continue to look and look and look at what's keeping them
2: stuck. Yeah, it's a, the therapist as a person is a key figure.
1: Yep, and we're going to talk about that some more right after the break. So I want to come back in just a minute. And talk some more about how your authenticity as a therapist impacts this whole process. So, we're gonna take a break right now. We'll be back in just a few minutes with some more from Dr. Robert Firestone. Stay tuned.
3: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
4: If you're ready for big changes in less than one month's time, you're ready to tune in for Radical Change Now with Dr. Mary Oz. It's where healing meets the law of attraction in an engaging package. You'll hear from guests and callers as they share their stories, offer solutions to life's challenges, and much more. With Dr. Mary's approach, even a child could effectively learn and apply the concepts discussed on each week's show. Listen live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Are you ready to tackle the rules of business? You may think you're doing everything by the book, following your own best practice beliefs, bringing in endless consultants, only to find that your business is not moving forward. That's where you need to stop and figure out where things are going wrong. Enter Business Rules with host Peter Feinstein. Peter and his guests will break it all down for you to help you and your business succeed. Listen Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment.
0: Have you always known that something different was possible for your life and in the world? What if you could create beyond your current reality? If your relationships, finances, business, health, and life could be anything what would they be? Join Heather Nichols for an invitation to discover what is true for you in every area of your life and for conversations loaded with pragmatic tools for how to create it. Listen live every Monday at noon Pacific and 9 p.m. Central European time for Creating Beyond Reality on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
3: Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration that opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, with award-winning authors Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the Empowerment Channel.
0: Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
1: And we're back talking today to Dr. Fire, uh, Robert Firestone about his book, Overcoming the Destructive Inner Voice, True Stories of Therapy and Transformation. And we've been talking about how um, voice therapy, as well as some psychoanalytic approaches, as well as um, uh, some primal work can help a person to integrate and become whole and heal, and um, and how his work has has progressed over time to help people through their own resistance to the healing process which we've all encountered if we've tried to heal ourselves. Um, And so now what I want to talk a little bit about is uh, before we... I'm going to talk a little bit about how the authenticity of the therapist impacts this process. But before we do that, I want to ask you, Dr. Firestone, if you will, to tell the listening audience how they might connect with you in any kind of way you're comfortable with.
2: They can connect with me through the Glennon Association.
1: Okay, and that's
2: it. My work and Psych Alive, the program my wife has developed, which is available, uh, you know, on the internet.
1: Right. Okay, and those are uh, that's at www.psychalive.org or www.glendonaut.org, and I'm going to spell those for you. www.psychalive is P org and Glendon is G-L-E-N-D-O-N.org, and you have a new book that's just come out as well. Can you tell us about that?
2: It's the Enemy Within. It's called, and it's a compilation of all my other books. I've written fifteen books, and uh, that uh, Enemy Within is a compilation of, of all that work. So it's, it includes discussions of all the material, the key material in, in all of the books. And it's Wonderful. a good way to get to know my work. Probably the best way to get to know my work.
1: Okay, okay. So I would and encourage
2: you. Yeah. Go ahead. The other avenue is just through my books themselves.
1: Yes, absolutely. I, there's a
2: list of books. But one, the major one is The Fantasy Bond the, and The Ethics of Interpersonal Relationships and Overcoming the Destructive Inner Voice, which is the book we've been talking about. Right. And Creating a Life of Meaning and Compassion and Sex and Love in Intimate Relationships. Okay. That's fear of intimacy. Oh yes. So though that just basically to get in touch with me through this this work. yes.
1: yes, and I, I want to uh, say this, I uh, just reading the overcoming the destructive inner voice and reading the 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 stories of the actual therapy encounters that you've had with clients. Is healing in and of itself because you can relate to the person that who's who's receiving therapy, and you also get to hear some of the thoughts of the therapist, and it it it, it has a process all its own that sort of works on you as you're reading it. So it's it's a very good book. I would really encourage the reading. And that uh, the enemy within sounds wonderful. I'm looking forward to reading that one as well.
2: Uh, the one overcoming the destructive inner voice. Uh, it's not quite a great title for the book. It's really True Stories of Therapy and Transformation, the subtitle. Yes. Gives you more of an idea of the book. The, the, the book is, I think, particularly interesting because it's a very frank book. And it shows how the therapist is a person as well as, you know, as, well as a, a professional. And it shows lots of my own thinking and feelings. And the importance yes. is that the therapist can be used as a tool. He uses himself as part of the healing by both involving himself and holding back himself appropriately. Mm-hmm. So more and or less... That, the, th- the book gives a good picture of, of that kind of relationship.
1: Yeah, that's exactly... Stuff.
2: He uses his own reactions to understand the person. Right, right, He uses his own feelings to know what's going on rather than expressing those feelings directly or, you know, although he may at times decide to for one reason or another. The key thing is that he is authentic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so can you explain what that means in terms of the therapist? You said what you described as I heard it was sort of a dance, that you step in when it's important to step in, and you step back and and self-evaluate when it's in time to do that. So, uh, being an authentic therapist doesn't necessarily me- you mean you reveal all your personal feelings to the client, but exactly. it might, mean, right? But it might mean that you're sh- you you are your fullest person while you're encountering the client. Is that correct?
2: I think the personality of the therapist and the, the, rea- the reality of who he, he or she is is, a, is really a, a significant part of what is helpful. Uh, they, there's a tremendous amount of feeling exchanged in, in, uh, in the situation without, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, behind the scenes, so to speak. A lot's going on between those two people. And even though the therapist may not be talking a lot at various times, there's still a lot of unspoken communication. And it's a, in, a, in a sense, therapy is a chance to reparent yourself, to get a very different outlook on who you are from a person who's really tuned in and really appropriate, which may, may, may or may not be the case.
1: Right, right. So that what's happening is an encounter with another person who has enough of their own wholeness in in process to be able to uh, offer that to the sort of dance between the feelings the client's having between the anti-self and the self.
2: Yeah, the therapist has to be very challenging on on some level uh, against the enemy within or... The voice process mm-hmm. has to be tuned into destructive behavior, self-destructive behavior, at the same time attacking and exposing and analyzing those elements at the same time very supportive of the, the real person, never hurting the real person. And that attunement is it depends a lot on the kind of person the therapist is.
1: mhm. Yes, I agree. So, the, and I loved what you said about the therapist could be a tool for the client to use. Can you say yes. some more about that?
2: Well, if I sense myself getting angry, I know that something is going on that's, that the person is getting angry. Or I could I feel what's happening mm-hmm. by utilizing my own emotions. Because, first of all, I trust myself that I'm in in that situation. I'm not reading anything in or doing something to change the situation. I'm open. So I can tell what emotions that register in me. I can tell when a person's getting evasive or frightened or whatever kind of feeling because I'm tuned in to my own feelings. But I use them not to express myself but to understand the person. Right. So you're just being really, really present
1: with that person.
2: Very definitely.
1: And I really care about these people. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I'm I sure you do. you really do. Yeah, I don't think you have, would have been able to come up with a theory that you've come up with if you hadn't cared about your people. Uh, I think this theory s- screams that you care about your people.
2: Yeah, I think that's critical, too. How the therapist really feels toward people. Mm-hmm. And, and toward the problems involved. Yes, yes.
1: So, in that, you've had some people that you've contacted over the years that have uh, given you some follow-up information. Can you share some of that? What, how you've encountered some people that um, have once, and then you contacted them several years later, and how they've how they talked to you about their healing process.
2: Generally, I haven't followed up. But in one case in particular, I, in the book I did, it was yeah. a suicidal woman, and wow. I was studying the process of suicide, and there was a very verbal, highly intelligent woman who I contacted about 20 years later to get her idea of the experiences she had in saying her voices and going through the process and it, of her suicidal act. What was going on exactly? And she was very open and personal and contributed a lot to my understanding.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And she had gotten past the suicidality completely.
2: She had been way past the whole situation, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and she, was very, she was very verbal and very psychologically oriented. Yes. But she spoke very personally about every thought she had as she tried to end her
1: life. Yeah. Yeah, and that story is in the book. So again, I would encourage you to 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 re- get this book and read it because it, it that story is very moving. And one of the things that I think is most profound about that story is that though she had been all the way to the door of suicidality, she was able to get some healing. And that's what I w- want to say more than anything else today is it is possible to heal. From these destructive inner voices, it is possible to heal from the hostile energy that's inside of us—that that wants to uh, 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 say no to us and 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 keep us from accomplishing our goals, and keep us from living a fulfilled life, and keep us from joy, keep us from our authenticity. These are—it uh, is really possible to heal that. Would you agree, Dr. Firestone? Dr. Firestone, would you agree? Yeah.
2: Yeah, there's no, there's no question that I really recommend psychotherapy. The implication that they can really, a person can really come to know themselves in a way that's the most powerful. Mm-hmm. And I would recommend uh, psychotherapy for people who feel good because they learn more about themselves. It's it's a unique experience. Uh to sit down and really come to terms with yourself. But I'm talking about a long-term voice therapy. Not a, not a voice therapy only, but a long-term therapy in depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just a technique-oriented, temporary situation. Right. I, right. I, I'd say someone in a long-term therapy who really is interested in knowing himself can make big strides. And people yes. who have troubles can make big strides. Yes. If they will. All right. Yeah, but they have to deal with the anxiety involved in growth, and any Absolutely. kind
1: of growth. Absolutely. And so thank you so much, Dr. Firestone, for your huge contribution to the healing of the people that you've worked with and to what you've offered us here today. Thank you for the books you've written. Thank you for the work you do. I really appreciate you being on our show today.
2: Thank you. I enjoyed it.
1: All right, me too. And uh, so we're going to be back again next week. And so be here for that. And remember your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself.
0: Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.